Hey, and welcome to the Scott's Hope Podcast. We are currently in a series called Moving Forward. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning. My name is Jim Dunn. I'm the pastor of administration here at Scotts Hill Baptist Church, and it's great to see you here in God's house this morning as we look to His Word, uh, as we continue and conclude our series moving forward. You know, over the last several weeks, we have been looking at this series, and we have been looking at our core values as a church, but they're really not just core values for us as a body. They're really core values and disciplines that we need to apply to our lives as individuals as well. So over the course of these weeks, we have learned that um, we are to engage in worship, that we engage in worship, and out of the overflow of this worship comes this love that we have for others that is seen in our service to them. We have seen how we study God's Word and how we grow in discipleship, of how we live on mission, and we are to seek God in prayer. And this morning, we're going to wrap this series up by looking at our last core value. It is a core value that is vital to our being able to accomplish our vision of joining God in His work of transforming lives. And this core value is this, that we give with generosity. We give with generosity. As we think about this, I want you to take a look at what giving does in the lives of individuals. Because you see, without this aspect and this discipline in our lives, the gospel will not advance and go forward. And so we can see very clearly that because of the faithfulness of God's people to give, that lives are being transformed and changed. We can see that on our own campus as we see our children's ministry each and every week. Because of the faithfulness of people to give, our children's ministry is able to be state of the art and we have great leadership there. And month after month, we are seeing children come to faith in Jesus Christ because of the faithfulness of God's people to give. But not only in our children's ministry, we can see it evidenced in our student ministry as well, where students are are learning to own their own faith. And because of that, they are engaging in worship before the Lord and giving themselves to service each and every week. And because of the faithfulness of giving, weekly, we see people coming to the baptism waters to profess their faith in Jesus Christ and to publicly declare that before you, that God is their Savior and their salvation, and they're giving testimony of that through baptism. But it doesn't stop here on our campus in our Jerusalem because it goes throughout this world. In 2004, we began to send teams to Ecuador And from 2004 all the way to this date, we have seen countless lives impacted with the gospel of Jesus Christ and lives transformed. The same could be said of our work in Ghana as we have taken the gospel to the bushes, to the bush in Africa, and we have gone there and established churches, and we are seeing the gospel changing people because of faithfulness of people giving. The love of Jesus Christ is being poured into the hearts and lives of children because of our partnership in Haiti with Sam and Jess Jekaitis as they speak love to these orphans at IHH. And we could go on and on of how we are engaging in gospel advancement because of the giving of our people. We have 
people who are training pastors in Kenya. We have partners who are in the Congo of Africa. We have partners who are watching and raising and, and, and guiding missionary children while their parents are on the field. We have partners here in town who are engaging the homeless with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have partners here in town who are engaging young mothers who are thinking about taking the life of a child, but the gospel changes them. You see, this aspect of giving with generosity is so important in us accomplishing our vision of joining God in His work of transforming lives. Giving with generosity was something that the Apostle Paul was encouraging the church in Corinth to be engaged in and involved in. And we find that in 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9, but we see it beautifully in chapter 8, verse 7, when the scripture says, But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. What act of grace? The grace of giving. He was encouraging the church in Corinth to give and to remember that it was a part of their spiritual growth. Listen, this morning, turn in your Bibles or on your iPads, your phones to 2 Corinthians. We'll be looking at chapters 8 and 9 this morning, but to kind of get an idea of where we're going, we'll give some backstory because this morning we're going to find several aspects that will help us live out this core value of giving with generosity, of giving with generosity. The background of this is this, Paul has, has, and we know Paul was a persecutor of the church. He is radically transformed and saved on the road to Damascus, and the Lord moves him about and prepares him for ministry to take the good news of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. And so Paul has been being prepared by God, and now he makes his way to Jerusalem with his companions that are joining him in this endeavor of ministry. And he goes to the church in Jerusalem to meet with the leaders of that church. Now, the leaders in the church of Jerusalem had every reason to suspect Paul because he was a great persecutor of the church. But as we, he goes, he meets with these leaders. And in Galatians chapter 2, we find the story that Peter, James, and John extend the right hand of fellowship to Paul and his companions, and they commission them to take the good news of Jesus Christ to the Gentile churches, just as they were going to take the good news to the Jews. And so Paul and his companions are excited to be able to do this. But the leaders of the church ask one thing of them. They said, as you go, remember the poor in the church in Jerusalem. Now, Paul was all about this, and he was eager to be able to take part in gathering an offering to help the saints in Jerusalem. We don't know why exactly the saints in Jerusalem had fallen on hard times, but they have. And Paul was excited to be able to take up an offering for several reasons. One is he took up an offering. It would demonstrate unity between all people, Jew and Gentile, and the unity that comes through Jesus Christ. Secondly, it may put to, to bed some of the, the suspicion that surrounded Paul because he used to persecute the church, and it would get rid of some of that, and he, he was all about getting rid of that stigma. And then also, he also knew that as they took up the offering, that it would, it would demonstrate uh, that, that Christ was, was head of the church and that uh, he was going to advance uh, the gospel. 
of Jesus Christ. So Paul is moving westward. He is taking the gospel and he is establishing churches as he go as he goes and as he's making his way on his missionary journey, he establishes a church, but he always encourages them and urges them to take up an offering and make a collection and that he and his companions would return and this offering was being collected to help the church in Jerusalem. And so that's where we find ourselves. The church in Corinth had been challenged to take part. However, in the midst of ministry there, we know about the Corinthian church a little bit, ministry got messy. And in the messiness of the ministry in Corinth, this church had lost sight of this thing that they had been challenged to do. They had lost sight of this commitment to give, and now Paul is reminding them of this. And in so doing, he lays out several aspects that we can see that will help us excel in our living out, our core value of giving with generosity. The first aspect we see in excelling in this core value is that we are to give with generosity despite our present circumstances. Despite our present circumstances. In verses 1 through 3 of chapter 8, Scripture says, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of our God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints." Coming right out of the gate, as Paul is encouraging the church of Corinth, we find this first aspect of excelling in this core value of giving with generosity as Paul points to the example of the Macedonian church. And as we look at them, they were a church who gave generously despite their present circumstances. You see, as we uh, look at this church, we see that they are experiencing uh, great affliction, great persecution. And because of all of this, they have found themselves on hard times. In fact, they are financially at rock bottom. Probably because of their newfound faith in Jesus Christ, they have been excluded and ostracized in their own society and their own community. They were at the bottom, and everything that we know about them suggests that this is not a good time for them to be thinking about the needs of somebody else. In fact, Paul had instructed them and encouraged them, look, there's no need for you to give. You, you have fallen on hard times yourself, but it says that these believers begged him for the opportunity to take part. I can't tell you in my 27, 28 years of ministry, if I've ever seen anybody walk in and beg for the opportunity to give. But they were begging for the opportunity to give. Listen, this would be like asking a group of people from the ghettos to take up an offering for those who live in the suburbs. But they longed for the opportunity. Their circumstances did not prevent them from giving. In fact, it says that they gave how? Joyfully and liberally. Joyfully and liberally, because you see, giving is far more a matter of the heart than it is about the act of giving and excel, giving itself. It's far more about our heart than it is about the circumstances that we live in. And so when we look at that verse 7 and we go back to that passage, we find that Paul is commending this church 
for, for, their, for their faith and their spiritual life. He says, man, you guys are excelling in many, many things. You're excelling in your faith and your knowledge of the Word of God. You're excelling in all of these things. But one area that you are lacking, you're lacking in the grace of giving. And so he is urging them to take part. Listen, these words stress the truth that learning to be generous with the material things in our life is a matter of spiritual growth and maturity. The open-handedness and the maturity, the open-handedness of the Macedonian church indicates a richness of their relationship with their God and their Savior, Jesus Christ. But you know, it's not always true of us. We often let circumstances in our life dictate how and even if we will give. The reasons can be complex. They can be from a many combination and many factors in our lives, uh, most of which typically are brought on because of poor stewardship of the very things that God has given us. You see, all too often it flows out of a thing of this. We have caviar taste, but tuna fish budgets, right? <laughs> so we overextend ourselves. We get caught in the trap of thinking that we have to have more. Today, we live in such a materialistic and selfish world. We are constantly being bombarded with the messages that life will be better if we fill it with things and possessions. And this mindset has led for many of us who even sit in this room to find ourselves at rock bottom financially unable to see how we're going to make it. There just doesn't seem to be enough money at the end of every month. However, our own materialistic actions do not excuse us from excelling in the grace of giving and living out this core value of giving with generosity. This is a spiritual discipline that demonstrates our relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ, and it is an overflow of our love and an expression back to Him. Listen, a great picture of giving despite one's circumstances can be seen in Mark chapter 12 as we see that Jesus has been engaging the Pharisees there in the temple. And the story goes that Jesus sits down in the temple and he is observing the people as they come and drop their offerings in the money box. And as he is watching them, he sees many who are giving a great abundance, those who are giving out of the overflow of what they have. But the thing that catches his attention is a widow who drops two small copper coins in the box. And he looks at his disciples and he tells them, this lady has given more than anyone that has walked by the boxes today because they gave out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty. Listen, her gift was selfless, and it exhibit, exhibited an attitude of both generous and a sacrificial gift despite the circumstances that she found herself in. The attitude of the heart caught the attention of our Savior Jesus Christ. And in both instances, the widow's small offering and the offering of the Macedonians, we see that people gave despite their present circumstances, demonstrating, demonstrating a trust in God for their future provisions. When she gave those two coins, she had no guarantee that she would be able to make it the next day, but she had faith. 
She had faith in a God who would take care of her every need. And listen, when we give despite our circumstances, when we give even when it hurts and even when we have to give up things ourselves, it says so much about our heart and it says so much about our spiritual maturity. But it also demonstrates a complete confidence and a complete trust in our God to take care of all of our needs, all of our needs. So if we want to excel in this core value and give with generosity, we give despite our present circumstances. We look for the opportunity to demonstrate our faith and our love in that way. The second aspect of excelling in this core value is that we are to follow the example. We are to follow the example of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 9 in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. It says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich, might become rich. Listen, Christ Jesus died so that we could live for him and his glory and not for ourselves. If you write there in your Bible, you can probably look back over into chapter 5 and you can see in verse 15 this very thing, that he died for all, that those who live might, might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Listen, Christ died for us. And because he gave so much, we should give as well. We have been given so much through Christ Jesus, and our God is the ultimate giver. He gave His only Son that we might have life and that we might have it to the full. I mean, catch the picture. Phil spoke about it as he got ready to pray. We'll look at a passage in just a moment, but here is our God and our Creator. The creator of all the universe, the very one who's made us, who steps out of the glories of heaven into this world and takes on human flesh and ultimately gives his life on the cross that we might have life and we might have it to the full. This is the King of kings and Lord of lords who becomes poor for our sake. Paul says this best in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 8, where he says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but to the interest of others, and have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself, taken on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Listen, we excel in this gift of giving when we follow the example of the one who gave it all for us. When we look to the interest of others ahead of the interest of ourselves and we give with generosity. Listen, when we give, it makes us more like our Savior, Jesus Christ. It makes us more like this God who has redeemed us because we become more and more transformed into the very image of the one who has saved us. Listen, Christ came and he gave his life that we might have life to the full, but so often we fail to follow in his example. You see, we accumulate material possessions and we live for our own comforts in this world. 
And we never experience the true blessing that comes as we give to others. The Apostle Paul in Acts 20, 35 says that Jesus even said the words that it is more blessed to give than to what? Receive. It's more blessed to give than to receive. So there is a joy, there is a blessing that comes as we give ourselves to this core value. Listen, giving truly makes us more like God because God is a giver. In fact, as we look at the Word of God and we do comparative of words, we can see words and see how many times they're mentioned in Scripture. And we think, okay, how does giving come about in Scripture? Well, let me tell you this. The word believe, something we would all say, hey, it's a very important word, right? We need to have faith and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ that we can be saved, right? 272 times in Scripture, but so important word. The word pray, we looked at praying last week, and as we look to the Scripture, it is found 371 times in Scripture. Love, God is love. We demonstrate our love for Jesus and our love for others. Love is used 714 times, whereas give is used 2,162 times. You see, God has a lot to say about giving because when we give, it makes us like the one who made us. Throughout the Bible, we see that God is in the business of giving. In Genesis, He gave life. In Exodus, He gave the law. In Joshua, He gave the land. In Psalms, He gives comfort. In Proverbs, He gives wisdom. In the prophets, He gives us warning. In the gospel, He gave us His Son. In Acts, He gave the Holy Spirit. In the epistles, He gives us instruction. And in Revelation, He gives us a blessed and glorious hope that is to come. God is in the business of giving. And listen, we are to be the most generous and giving people in the world because when we do, it makes us like our God and our King. For God so loved the world, He gave. He gave. He gave. Listen, when you give, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. And giving demonstrates a heart and a compassion for our Lord and our Savior. So we need to follow the example of Jesus Christ in giving that we might bless others, but not just bless them, that we might see the gospel impact their lives and lead to transformation. That's what it's all about. It's not just giving something to give, but it's about giving something for the gospel of Jesus Christ, that they might see the love of our Savior and they might come to faith in Him. Listen, that's why Paul says in verse 8 of chapter 8 that our giving demonstrates genuineness of our love for both God and for others. In verse 8, he says, I say this not as a command, but to prove by earnestness of others that your love is also genuine. You know, millionaires can give to many, many causes, and they can do so out of abundance and oftentimes for their own advantage. However, love is seen when one goes without so that those who they love can have what their needs are. Listen, I can tell you I've watched this throughout my life. I've watched it throughout my life in the life of my wife. And as we have done life together for, in a few weeks, 32 years, I have seen her so many times go without things that she needed, things that she could have used, so that our girls could have their needs met and have what they needed in life. 
I've seen her do it over and over again. And every time she does it, I think, wow, she's demonstrating the very heart of our Savior, Jesus Christ, in loving our girls well, loving our girls well. Listen, we need to give and we need to follow the example of Jesus Christ. So we give no matter our circumstances. We give in following the example that Jesus set for us. But the third aspect of excelling in this value and this core value is that we are to give with the right attitudes. We're to give with the right attitudes. You see, God is interested in how we give. Not just that we give, but how we give. And listen, we need to give with proper attitudes. It's according to what you have, not according to what you don't have. And when God looks at our giving, He's not impressed so much with the amount as He is looking at the things as this. He's looking at the amount that we have left over when we give. Are we holding so much back because we need it all for ourselves? So God is interested in our attitudes. And listen, one thing we're to do, the first attitude that we're to demonstrate is we're to give willingly. We're to give willingly. In chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians, in verse 7, it says, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Listen, we need to give with a willing heart. We need to live open-handedly with the very things that God has blessed us with and say, God, here they are. I willingly give back because you have so richly blessed me. And we need to understand that everything that we have in this life comes because of God's blessing on us anyway. And so we live like this and say, God, it's yours. You can take it. Listen, as, as one of your pastors I relieve some of you guilt, guilt this morning. The scripture says, don't give under pressure, right? <laughs> don't give under, under compulsion nor reluctantly. So if you're giving under compulsion, then it's best not for you to give because your attitude's not right. So we may need an attitude adjustment, right? We may need to check our attitude in the aspect of giving. Listen, you don't give to make up a budget deficit. You give because God says so. That's what He desires for us. And you give whether the church needs it or not. It's not about whether or not we're making budget or whether we're over budget. It's because God says this demonstrates a heart for Him. So we give. The willingness to give is for my own benefit because it truly is more blessed to give than to receive. So we give willfully. But we also give with the attitude of joy. We give joyfully. Chapter 9, verse 7 continues, and it says, God loves a cheerful giver. Now listen, he'll also accept money from a grouch, but he loves a cheerful giver. Right? So he does. And listen, the word cheerful that is used here in the New Testament is the same word that we get our word hilarious. And when I think of something hilarious, it means that I'm laughing all the way from down here, right? I feel it down in my gut. So to be a cheerful giver means that I give so much that I feel it down inside and it brings me joy, not just from here, but it brings me joy all the way from here, right? And it's cheerful. There's a difference between a cheerful giver and a reluctant giver. You see, there's many Christians who don't give and others determined to give and just to do their part because they feel like it's an obligation. But before writing the check to the church, they do it really begrudgingly and uh, they do it really with a great sigh of, here I go again, all right? But we're not to give that way. 
But I guess it's better to give out a duty than not to give at all. But when you're giving that way, you're missing out on the joy that comes from giving. You're missing out on the blessings of baptisms taking place in swimming pools, dirty swimming pools in Ecuador, in rivers in Ecuador, in streams in Africa. You're missing out on the blessing of lives being changed because you're not giving with joy. You're holding back. Listen, we give joyfully. We give willingly. Listen, if you can't give joyfully, it's back to that same thing. We need to check the attitude that we have in our giving because the Bible wants us to be happy and joyful as we do so. A third attitude that we're to demonstrate is we're to give generously and sacrificially. Listen, for the church in Macedonia, it was really a test because they were under great persecution. They were under great persecution, but they gave with an abundance of joy through extreme poverty, they overflowed in wealth of generosity. They gave according to their means. No, Paul says, no, they gave beyond their means. And they did so joyfully, but generously and sacrificially. They did not have it, but they gave it. The Macedonian church is an incredible church. Despite their own struggles and being impoverished and wanting in themselves, they chose to give. They begged for the opportunity. They gave beyond their ability. And listen, it was a great sacrifice, a great, great sacrifice. And you know what? It's interesting to note that in the world in which we live in, statistically, that those with lower income households statistically give more percentage-wise than the most wealthy households. You see, the poorest of households give on average 5.5% of their income back to charitable contributions, where those who are wealthiest give about 2.9% to charitable contributions. Now, monetarily, and the amount of money given is not near the same, but in light of what they have, it is greater. And so we see that these people gave, and it was generous, and it was sacrificial. They gave beyond their means, but they gave with great expectancy as well. And that's the the fourth attitude that we're to have. We're to give with expectantly. In chapter 9, verse 6, he says, remember this. Remember this, or the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Here in this passage, Paul is is giving us the law of the harvest and he's sharing about material resources and what we do with them. And the illustration shares both a positive and a negative of the same idea. The negative, uh, the point emphasizes this, that the one who gives little is going to receive little blessing back. But the one who gives much will receive many blessings Now, look, you cannot give with the aspect of thinking that I'm giving with a lottery mentality and that all the blessings that flow back into my life are going to be material or monetary blessings. No, many of them are seeing the joy that comes from seeing lives changed. All right. But there are people who have this gift of giving and they let things flow freely through their hands. And because of that, God continues to put more there. Right. God just continues to put more there. So they develop this habit of giving generously. And as they do so, God continues to bless them. John Bunyan spoke of this in his work, The Pilgrim's Progress, when he says this, A man there was, and they called him mad. The more he gave, the more he had. 
And of course, he was talking about Christian. And as Christian lived his life, the world around him saw him giving and they thought it nonsense. And the world around us may think the same as well. But listen, those who understand this, this goal and this teaching of the harvest will understand as we give to God, he's going to allow blessings to flow back into our lives. He's going to richly bless us. Listen, there was a time in our lives when we were in school. We had moved from Tuscaloosa, Alabama, Roll Tide, uh, and we had moved to, uh, to Graceful, Florida to go to school, and we had taken our first church in the big town of Chipley, Florida. And while we were there, they brought us on staff, and they were paying us a whopping $200 a week. And uh, Teresa was pregnant, and uh, so we saw our $200 a week, and we determined what we were supposed to give, and we gave not knowing how we would survive. But the Lord blessed us in so many ways. Because you see, we were faithful in giving. The Lord allowed me opportunities to get to know our people better. And as we would go out, so many of them were peanut farmers or watermelon farmers or farmers in general. And so I would get up before school and I would meet them in the fields and I would help them pick corn and butter beans and peas and beans and all these things. And I would go to class and come back in the afternoon and I would help them scrape corn off and make cream corn. And I would help them uh, break beans and I would help them shell peas and I would do all these things. And they would give me baggies full of vegetables for us. A lady who lived a half mile down the street gave us a bottom portion of her freezer to keep our vegetables in because we didn't have one. And she told me where the key to the freezer was. And we would get to the place where, I mean, if we had enough money to go buy a six-pack of Czech Colas we, from, from the Winn-Dixie, we were excited, right? Uh, so we would get to the place and wonder what we were going to have for supper. And I said, well, I'll go down and get some vegetables out of the freezer. I'd walk a half mile down the street and take me a basket with me. And I would go and I can't tell you how many times I would go and open the freezer. And I would open the freezer and beyond the vegetables, there were steaks and there were hamburger meat. I can't tell you how many times I came home from school and across the front porch of our little single wide trailer that they provided for us were 10 watermelons, eight cantaloupes and a few honeydews, which Teresa loved when she was pregnant. We gave despite the circumstance. We gave with the expectation that if we give, God will provide for our needs and return the blessings back to us. But listen, this fourth aspect of excelling in this core value is that we establish a consistent commitment. We establish a consistent commitment. In verse 7 of, of chapter 9 in 2 Corinthians, it says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart. And if we look back at the letter to the Corinthian church called 1 Corinthians in chapter 16, verse 2, as Paul went there the first time and was giving instruction on the offering, he says to them this. He says, on the first day of every week, each of you should put something aside and store it up. But surely uh, these two verses imply that we need to give and that giving comes as we make a conscious choice, a purposeful and deliberate decision, a deliberate decision. 
So establishing a consistent commitment comes best as we do so in the rhythms of our lives, right? And that's what Paul was pointing to in that 1 Corinthians 16, 2 passage. He says, hey, you're going to be coming to the church on the first day of the week, just like we do, right? And you're going to be worshiping together. So while you're here in the rhythm of that life, why don't you take up some and set some aside so that when I come back, the offering will be ready. It's a rhythm of life, a rhythm of life. And so as you come to worship each and every week, it is the perfect opportunity for you to engage in this core value of giving with generosity. Well, listen, I understand not all of us in this day and time receive our paychecks the same way people have throughout the years. All right. When I worked at that little church, I got my two hundred dollars like clockwork every Thursday. Right. So it came like clockwork. However, some of us don't receive our payroll just like that. But we need to plan and we need to determine in our heart that no matter how we get paid, whether it is done weekly or bi-weekly, or monthly, or quarterly, or every six months, we need to determine in our heart that, God, when I receive, I'm going to give back, and I'm going to demonstrate a heart of generosity. Listen, we try to make it as simple as possible for you to get in this rhythm of your life and to be able to give in a consistent manner. You see, you can simply go to your bank account, and you can set up with your bank the auto-draft uh, from your bank's bill pay. And your auto draft, your Wells Fargo or whoever you bank with will cut a check when you tell them to and it will come to the church office. You can also go online, as Tucker spoke about earlier, and you can set up a recurring gift to come out of your checking each and every week. You can do that through uh, a debit, but you can do that, as, and we recommend, through ACH because the transfer fees are not as much. But you can set up a recurring gift to come out so that you can be consistent in your giving. Or you can be old-fashioned, and you can say, and you can contact the church office, and you can get the offering envelopes, and you can bring them with you when you come to worship and drop those in the offering boxes. We want to help you become consistent in your giving and doing that. Listen, a beautiful example of living out this core value can be seen in the actions of the early church. First century Christians weren't organized. They had no buildings. They weren't recognized by government. Um, in everyday society, they were basically considered a cult. For nearly three centuries, they remained utterly powerless, ostracized socially, persecuted politically, tortured physically. While Christianity had none of the conventions and strengths required to start a movement, it was the appeal and influence that can be, be, be traced back to an unexpected source of how it succeeded. And those things were service and generosity. They had little, but they gave. They received little compassion, but they were willing to extend compassion and gifts to people as they had need. And one such, one such story that survived through history uh, was a story of a man named Pacomius. When he was 20 years old, the Romans took over his town. They collected all the men, drafted them into the Roman army. And because they knew that they would try to escape, they put them in prison cells and locked them away before they could be carted off and trained for service. Now, while 
uh, while there in prison, uh, a famine ravaged the area. Everyone in prison began to starve. But as Pacomius documents, strangers began to show up at night and they began to feed them food and slip them food between the bars. Night after night, mysterious people would come back. And each time they did, the prisoners would inhale the morsels of little food without asking any questions. As a result, Pacomius and his friends survived the horrible famine. And when it was all over, he began to ask questions. He began to ask, who were those people? Where did they come from? And most of all, why in the world were they feeding us? And the answers bewildered him. The strangers were members of a group known as Christians, Galileans, followers of the way. And when Pacomius completed his obligation to the Roman infantry, he sought out those very Christians. And as he sought them out, he learned about a Savior who left the glories of heaven and paid it all on his behalf. He learned of a Savior who was risen from the dead, and ultimately he gave his life to Jesus Christ and became a Christian. He became a leader, uh, and a great church leader in those days, all because of the generosity and the service that captured his heart. Everywhere Christians went, they were known by their love, their service, and their generosity. And their influence began to even reshape the Roman Empire. The Roman Emperor Julian made a pushback to push the country and the nation back into paganism, but it was the generosity of believers that foiled his efforts. And he wrote the, of this. He says, The impious Galileans, the followers of Jesus Christ, support not their own poor, but ours as well. The Christians did more for the people of Rome than our own leaders. We've got a world looking to a government to provide for them in this day when it should be the church leading the way, leading the way. Generosity changed the world once, but what would happen if we pushed aside this possession obsession and this consumption assumption and we used the very things that God has blessed us with, not for ourselves, but for the benefit of those around us? What if we as a church became known for our generosity to the community around us? What would happen if we made a commitment in our lives to live out this core value of giving with generosity? You see, some of you are here today and maybe even online, and you've never developed this habit, this discipline in your life. And perhaps you're even thinking, how in the world can I make this happen with where I am today. Perhaps you've overextended yourselves financially and made some poor financial decisions. Perhaps in this day, to be able to live out this core value, you may need to make some adjustments in your own life. It may mean scaling back with some things. It may be getting rid of some things so that you are able to do what God asks of you to do and to give with generosity. Today, as we think about moving forward, Pastor talked about this whole thing that everything is behind, the behind us, uh, everything before us is different than everything that is behind us. So we're wanting to move forward. We're wanting to move forward.
And as we move forward, what if we made a commitment to move to the right? Today on the screen, you're going to see a graphic of moving to the right, moving to the right of a picture of what you can do to live out this core value in your life. You see, the key is to start somewhere, to start somewhere, to take that first step. Because you see, I know some in this place today have never taken that first step. And so to step into this thing of tithing or giving is foreign. But what if we took one step and we began to see God and see how He would bless us because of our faithfulness. Listen, many times people fail to engage in giving because they feel like they can't give a full 10%. So they give nothing at all. And you may say, well, why do you move to the right and go to 10%? Well, the 10% is a biblical principle, okay? It was established in the Old Testament, but it's a biblical principle. It's not law. It's a principle. And it was the very thing that Jesus Christ commended the Pharisees for, as he looked upon their lives. There was a lot that he found wrong in what they were doing, but the one thing he said that they did well was tithing and giving. And so we need to look at that. But it becomes sort of a base, what we can strive for. So maybe in my life I can't jump in at a 10% mark until I make some adjustments. But maybe I can jump in at a percentage or 5% or 7%, and maybe I can just jump in and begin to see how I can live out this core value. Listen, what if everyone started somewhere, moved to the right, and as you leave today, we're going to provide you these cards because I want it to be a reminder of what can happen when we start moving. See, we can't stand still. We need to move forward and to the right forward and to the right. So pick up a card as you leave. Put it, on your, put it on your refrigerator just as a reminder to maybe help you establish that habit and that consistency of living out this core value. Let me encourage you. Excel in everything. Yes. Excel in your faith. Excel in your knowledge as you study God's Word and you grow as a disciple. Excel in these things. Excel. But also excel in this grace of giving, of living out this core value of giving with generosity. Would you join me this morning as we pray? Fathers, we come into your presence. We know uh, that you love us. Father, your love has been shown to us through your son, Christ Jesus. And we give you praise and we give you thanks for him in this day. Father, we come before you and we recognize that all that we have comes from you. And in this day, as a body, we are interested in pleasing you more than we are in having things for ourselves. Father, may it be our desire to allow you to have first place in our lives. Father, help us to be willing to step in and move to the right to maybe begin to develop a habit that we've never done before. But out of gratitude for all that you've done for us and with expectation that you will continue to provide for our needs, may we commit ourselves to living out this core value of giving with generosity. Father, may we see this as an investment in eternity with great, great 
reward. And may we give willingly and joyfully as we do. Help us to remain faithful in our commitment to all of these core values. Help us to be a church that's known by our love, our service, and our generosity. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If this message blessed you and you now have a desire to follow Jesus, I encourage you to go to scottshill.org slash next steps so that we can follow up with you. Also, if you liked the message, feel free to share it on social media with your friends and family. God bless.